This is WKOK Sunrise on your station for the best news, talk, and sports. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much for joining us here on WKOK Sunrise. Super duper 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 glad to see you uh, on the radio. We got on the news line with us now. Movie Mike McGranahan, professional movie critic. His website, ILC.com. I swear to heaven that uh, whenever my lovely bride and I sit down to watch a movie, the first thing she says is, oh, this looks interesting on Netflix. Check ILC.com. And that's what we do when we find out about all the movies we want to watch on the boob tube. And uh, with that, we Welcome, Movie Mike McGranahan. Good morning, sir. Thanks for checking in today. Good morning. Always happy to be here. Well, we got three movies. All look satisfactory in Lawrence's worthless view after seeing the trailers, especially Wild Mountain Time. I'm such a sucker for a great uh, love story. So, uh, Wild Mountain Time, one of the three new movies that are available. Tell us about that. I'm a sucker for romances, too. Wild Mountain Time is the new film from John Patrick Shanley, who won an Oscar for Moonstruck back in the 80s. And let me tell you, unfortunately, this movie is no Moonstruck. <laughs> uh, Jamie Dornan plays a man living in Ireland. He believes his life is cursed. He wants to take over the family farm. His father, played by Christopher Walken, won't give it to him. And let me just say, Christopher Walken is a great actor, but he should never be asked to do an Irish accent. Uh, but the main gist of the story is that Emily Blunt plays this woman who's been in love with Jamie Dornan since childhood. He knows that, refuses to act on it. And then John Hamm plays his American cousin who comes over, and he also wants the farm. And he wants Emily Blunt, too. So the question becomes, is he going to finally make his move on Emily Blunt once competition comes in? Uh, this movie just is, is weird. You know, movies about Ireland always seem to feel the need to make everybody overly quirky and to have quirky dialogue, and this movie has way too much of that to the point that these characters really are not believable. And then it ends with this howler of a revelation about the Jamie Dornan character that literally made me say, what is going on here? Uh, so it, one of those movies, the characters are just so frustratingly clueless, and uh, the stars are great as always. The cinematography is gorgeous because you can't photograph Ireland and not have it look great. Uh, but Wild Mountain Time really just does not have much of a romantic spirit, so I would give that two Blarney Stones. Oh, well, <laughs> sounds like you're generous with the two. Well, the trailer looks somewhat interesting, but I had a terrible time trying to figure out exactly where we were headed there, so maybe that's symptomatic of the film itself. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and that is in theaters or on demand? Uh, it is both. It is launching in 450 theaters nationwide this weekend, although not locally, but it is also available on demand at the same time. So you can watch that from the comfort of your own home. Although, like I said, there's, I don't really recommend that there's many other better films out there I would recommend checking out before Wild Mountain Time. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Wander Darkly. Let me ask you first of all where we can see it. Uh, this is also debuting on demand. And uh, Lionsgate is pushing the lead actress, Sienna Miller, for awards for her performance in this film. Uh, and she's very good, but the movie itself, I thought, was terrible. She and Diego Luna played this couple. They've been together a long time, and they're not married, but have been together forever. And their relationship is really about to fall apart. And then they get into a car accident, and she dies. And for some reason that the movie never explains, he can still communicate with her, and he takes her on this time-hopping tour of various moments from their relationship that forced both of them to look at things in a different way. My problem with this movie isn't the actors who are very good. It's that the movie never establishes its own logic. 
We don't understand how he can see her, how he can move around time with her, why other people don't react to her. Uh, and it just is a great big exercise in frustration that left me breathing a sigh of relief when it was over because I just couldn't follow it. So Wander Darkly, one star for that. I, I think it's one of the year's worst films. Oh, no kidding. Okay, so <laughs> please make a note of it. All right, and then finally, The Stand-In. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew Barrymore has not made a movie in five years, and she compensates for that with two roles in the stand-in, which is also available on demand today. On one hand, she plays Candy, who is this famous movie star, kind of like a Melissa McCarthy or a female Adam Sandler. She's gotten really famous making lowbrow comedies, but behind the scenes, she's a drug-addicted diva who's mean to everybody. And then there's her stand-in in the movies, Paula, also played by Drew Barrymore, and there's this long, convoluted plot. It's kind of like single white female, where the stand-in ends up taking over the life of the movie star. The movie star wants to retire, and so the stand-in continues to play the star in public. Uh, and here again, Drew Barrymore, one of my favorite actresses, she is great in both of these roles, and I really like her in them. The movie itself struggles to live up to her. There's a little too much going on, a little too inconsistent tone. Sometimes it's a comedy, sometimes it's a romance, sometimes it's a borderline thriller. The stand-in character tries to steal the actress's boyfriend, and you know it kind of gets away from the satire of Hollywood after a while. Uh, but in its best moments, it's kind of fun, thanks to Drew Barrymore. So I'm sort of on the fence with this one. Two and a half stars for the stand-in. Well, what do you make of Drew Barrymore? Do we know why the, uh, such a long time between movies and this film doesn't sound like it really challenges her despite the double role? Um, we know she's a great actress, so uh, sort of give us the state of Drew Barrymore. Well, she took a few years to do a TV show on Netflix uh, called uh, Santa... I forget what it's called. Something, something diet. I don't watch television, so I don't know the name of the show. Uh, And then she's got her daytime talk show, too. So I think she just sort of took a hiatus from movies, but now she's back with this. She's one of the producers of it, so she was a really uh, powerful force behind the scenes. And it's great for her. It gives her two really interesting roles and two very different roles, and she does a great job differentiating those characters, but the screenplay just can't quite decide what it wants to be, whether it wants to be a satire of what fame does to people, or whether it wants to be a single white female type thriller. Uh, So it's just a little too uneven, but she is terrific in it, in both roles, and and I can't say that enough. The movie is almost worth seeing just for her. And you give it how many body doubles? (laughs) Two and a half. Two and And a half. That's kind of an on the fence. Yeah, there were things I really liked about it, some things that didn't work, so I'm kind of on the fence. But, you know, if you're a Drew Barrymore fan as I am, you probably enjoy seeing it just for her work. Well, and I am too, and I always like to see the work challenge her, and sometimes she finds material that does, and other times uh, uh, not. So I, well, I'm glad to see her back on the big screen, so that much is too. Yeah, I've never seen her in any of her television appearances either, so we're not sure what's happening there. Okay, uh, entertainment news. The governor's uh, closing down some businesses. Uh, what's happening to our theaters? Yeah, the governor announced yesterday that uh, there's going to be a temporary three-week closure of indoor entertainment businesses, so the movie theater will have to close down again uh, after midnight tonight for three weeks. And this is kind of a blow. On the one hand, it, it is important that we contain the spread of COVID-19, and unfortunately, shutting down is a way to do it very quickly. I do feel bad for theaters, though, because here's a case where our theater struggled all year, finally got reopened, and now they're going to have to be closed Christmas week, which is the single biggest movie-going week of the year. They might have actually done some business at that time, and uh, now they're not going to be open, but public safety has to come first, so 
uh, hopefully everything will be okay and they'll reopen again in early January. All right. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, you tweeted this week related to director Steven Soderbergh pro- co-producing the Oscars. Why is that uh, super big news? Yeah, uh, Oscar-winning director Steven Soderbergh, who made Out of Sight, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, uh, going to be producing the Oscars this year, co-producing. And we all talk every year about how stale the Oscars have gotten and how unexciting and how it's just sort of the same thing. Steven Soderbergh is a guy who has so many original ideas, and if you see his movies, you know they're always very unusual and unique. So he might bring something to the Oscars that will be fresh and new and a reason to actually be excited about them again. So I'm really thrilled to hear he's... Uh, going to be part of the show this year. All right, so should be interesting. Should be quite the production. M- lots of collisions and uh, <laughs> I- intense intrigue. So uh, yeah, hope a good whistleblower opportunity. All right, finally, Nicholas Cage, the history of swear words. Tell us about that. Is that a movie <laughs> or a documentary? Uh, it's going to be a TV show on Netflix, and I know I said a minute ago I don't watch TV shows, but this one might get me to watch it. Nicolas Cage is going to be hosting this show, and every episode, it's like six or seven episodes, will focus on how a different swear word came into our lexicon. And I can't think of anybody really more interesting to host a show like that. It's a fascinating subject, and he will tell us about where these bad words some of us use have come from. And, and that will debut in early January on Netflix. And since it's cable, he can say those words if he so chooses, correct? Right, right. Each episode, I won't say them here, but each episode will focus on a different one, and he'll be able to say it, and they'll be able to dig into it uncensored. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, should be interesting. Yeah, the, and uh, all languages have curse words. That's, a, that's, that's <laughs> right. a, one of the universal things that glues all cultures together. Movie Mike McGranahan, thank you so much for all your information and all your help. Uh, we will talk to you in a week, and we'll find out about more movies that are worth seeing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Movie Mike McGranahan, professional movie critic. His appearance is always sponsored by Campus Theater, Lewisburg.